You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Final day of March and still no news, no update on the future of the NBA, when games are going to return and actually what we're going to return to. Is it going to be the resuming of the regular season, completion of that, and then the playing of the playoffs? Are we going to jump right into the playoffs? What about a tournament featuring all 30 NBA teams, a tournament to decide playoff seeding for those teams that are on the bubble? All of this is up in the air. The NBA has a lot of decisions to make. They have to figure this out, but of course, they're not on their their timeline. They're on COVID-19's timeline. And on today's podcast, I'm going to be joined by senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report. It is Howard Beck joining me today. He and I are going to discuss the NBA's options, plus some Sacramento Kings conversation here. If Howard picked the Kings to actually make the eighth seed, or if he felt another team was going to steal that spot away from the Memphis Grizzlies. It's all coming up for you on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked on Kings, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season, all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last five years. This is my sixth season covering the Kings as a multimedia journalist, reporter, and on-air radio host and we're all in the same boat people we're all desperate for the NBA to return we're all desperate for sports to return we're all desperate for our world to return to normal however one of the things that Howard Beck and I are going to discuss today is what does normal look like not just for the NBA but for our world as a whole is that changing here as we speak will the landscape of professional sports be forever changed by this COVID-19 period Who knows, but it will be a great day when sports returns. It will be a great day when we can put this virus, this sickness behind us, and we can all gather together again as thousands of fans of whatever team you support to watch and enjoy the game of basketball that we love. My conversation with Howard today is going to dominate the podcast, but before we get to it, I want to take this time to tell you about one of our fantastic sponsors here of the Locked on Kings podcast and the Locked on Podcast Network. That's my bookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at MyBookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or quarantined at home, the fun doesn't have to come to an end with MyBookie. Video poker is not your thing, but you still need a fix. They've got you covered with the host of live casino dealers online. That's right, they have professional dealers at their tables, live on site 24-7. Your favorite squad, sideline because of the pandemic, don't even sweat it. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20. Plus, you can always do your part to make your bankroll great again by taking advantage of shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, all one word, to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You spin. 
You win, you get paid. Another day of COVID-19, another day of quarantine, and another day of no NBA basketball. But today is a good day because I am joined right now by senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, also the host of the Full 48 podcast. You've heard him on the Locked on Kings podcast before. His work is fantastic. It is the one and only Howard Beck. Howard, hope you're staying safe. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast today. And I hope you've been making the best of all this free time with the NBA on pause. No, I appreciate that. Thanks. And yeah, we have a little bit too much time on our hands probably at this point, but um, happy to spend it talking about uh, the NBA. If we can figure out exactly what about the NBA to, uh, to discuss, I feel like we've reached that stage where we're just kind of, uh, you know, walking in place. We're all on a, on a treadmill and <laughs> reliving the same uh Day in the same discussion, trying to figure out where this is all going. But uh, but ha- happy to happy to chat with you for a bit. It's weird. It feels like everybody's in the same boat, from fans to media members to front office members, and then players and coaches. Everybody's just kind of sitting and and waiting to find out more. Not just with what's going to happen with the NBA, but what's happening uh, with with coronavirus in general. So opening this up actually with a very broad question, but from an NBA perspective, in your mind. Are we ever going to get back to quote unquote normal? Or in your mind, do you think this is going to change the landscape of the NBA as we know it, at least, uh, at least somewhat uh, for for years to come? It's a great question. Obviously, the answer is is unknown. I suspect that there will be certain things that do change. Um, I'm, I'm I, I got to think that beyond the NBA, just in society at large, I think we're all going to be a lot more careful about our daily routines at a minimum. Now, how that affects an NBA game and the staging and operations of an NBA game, I'm not sure. Are we, are we now going to see, uh, as Larry David did on Curb Your Enthusiasm, are we going to see like Purell mounted to every seat and every NBA arena and every coffee shop for that matter? Um, I, I don't I don't know where this is going, but we you know we've got at least a minimum a a, a hyper consciousness of how not to spread a virus, um, and you know there's all these other aspects uh, of this you know of, of all spending uh, so much time inside and and with our families and uh, and not commuting and the air is cleaner and there's all these things that I I kind of just wonder about whether there's this big reset for the way we live our daily lives and whether that will all just snap right back into place or will some of these habits and routines change permanently. So to extend it to the NBA, you know, I I think that at a minimum in the short term, when games resume, whenever that is, it's probably going to be without fans. Now that's not a permanent thing. That will be a, 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 kind of just an emergency measure so that, that, you know, allows them to get back into competition and generating revenue again and generating entertainment again. And that'll be, that'll be a short-term fix. And in terms of the long-term, there is this moment right now where everybody is wondering, well, the NBA was always, or not always, the NBA has lately been discussing all these ways of tinkering with the schedule anyway, shorter season, different kind of season, mid-season tournament, postseason. Uh, pre-playoff tournament, play-in tournament, um, they're going to be forced to make some some changes, some you know some you know just just adjustments just to finish off this season, and those changes are going to impact next season almost certainly because 
we're probably not going to see an NBA game until maybe July. And that necessarily affects when they can start training camps and, and, and get next season going. So there's a moment here with all this time to study it and to, to make some uh, policy decisions here to say, well, maybe whatever we do, not necessarily this postseason, but whatever we do for next season in terms of adjusting the calendar, when to start, when to finish, how many games, what do the playoffs look like, there is an opportunity to make changes that would be, you know, more or less permanent, a new normal. I don't know how bold the NBA wants to be at a moment like this, but it does, you know, leave kind of a blank canvas for them to, to try. And if it doesn't work out, you say, well, it was an emergency measure that we did in the wake of a global pandemic. And we'll go back to the normal 82 game schedule that runs October through June after we get through this. But in the meantime, maybe there's a, 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 a you know, a, initiative to to revamp rethink the way the nba is structured um and on that note before i forget quick plug (laughs) uh, on my own podcast which i recorded on monday uh the full 48 i had on my former boss dave finocchio one of the founders of bleacher report who has spent a ton of time studying these things and we talked at length about his ideas for what he thinks the nba not just in the wake of the of, of coronavirus but in general needs to do to continue to engage especially the younger fans. And it does involve some pretty radical changes to the regular season and postseason schedules. So uh, if people are interested in hearing a, a, a long, uh, extensive discussion of this and, and at least his ideas for, for how the NBA could attack this, um, I, you know, go, go download the full 48. Yeah, the full 48 podcast, I highly recommend it. Howard does a fantastic job uh, putting that on, and be sure to add it. I know we have free time out there, so be sure to add it uh, to your listening library and your repertoire here as we wait for the NBA to come back. And, Howard, we kind of have a little bit of a joke here at Sports 1140 KHDK in Sacramento that fantasy basketball has changed. We went from fantasy basketball, caring about the numbers the players were putting up actually on the floor, to now the fantasy element of it is coming up with creative solutions in ways that the NBA can wrap up this season in and, and get all these either get these games in or maybe do some kind of an incredible March Madness style tournament or maybe do an eight seed tournament like we've heard. Uh, I believe it was uh, Richard Jefferson and LeBron James talked about that on a podcast doing a tournament to decide the eight seed in the Western Conference. We're having fun with these conversations like what can the NBA do? In your mind, though, what is what are the best options for the NBA? If you were in a room with Adam Silver and, and the rest of the, uh, the the heads of the NBA there, what do you think that they are discussing as the most legitimate strategy or way to handle this? Or is there even a clear answer? There's no clear answer. Um, you know, I, I, I tweeted about this last week. I've repeated it many times since. Uh, Dr. Fauci, Fauci I, I still don't know if it's Fauci or Fauci, um, but his 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 statement last week that uh, you don't make the timeline, the virus makes the timeline, is something that I think everybody just needs to kind of internalize and use as their guiding light. Because the answer to every question about when and how and what does X look like, whether it's reopening schools and libraries or reopening the NBA or reopening, you know, whatever, we don't we don't know. The virus makes the timeline. And. So what the NBA is doing is they've got, you know, a, a team of people who, you know, every year make the schedule um, and includes people who work with all of the operations folks at arenas around the league. And, and so there's all the scheduling component. Then there's a team of, of really super smart analytics people who do a lot of crunching and have spreadsheets and can plug in 
any variable. You can add all these different variables uh, about how to space out games and structuring it and what does it do to travel, all this stuff. Super smart team of people there. And I guarantee you they are gaming out every scenario you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and every, and, they're, and, they're, and they, they love to kick around these kinds of ideas. Play in tournaments, all 30 teams, or just, you know, hey, let's see the top six as it stands right now, but we'll go, you know, seven through 15 in each conference. Maybe there's a, there'll, there'll be all these different iterations and, and proposals. And, you know, what if we start June 1st, July 1st, August 1st? Um, and then what does it do to next season? And then plug in those. So there, there are people who are much smarter than I am who are, are not only just, um, you know, kicking around these ideas, but have the means to kind of, uh, uh, you know, play it out virtually and see what, what makes the most sense and then have a plan and a backup plan and, and all this. So that's what they're doing. Um, where that's going and, and, you know, whether there's a preferred method or a, or a preferred format, I, I just don't know. I mean, obviously, I think the league would love it if they could just start up where they left off, but that's not that realistic. Teams had anywhere between 16 and 19 games left on their schedules. I don't think you can get all of those in. Mm. Um, I don't know if you should even try. And when I talked to Steve Kerr for my podcast last week, he was saying, listen, as far as we're concerned, the season's over. You know, he's not really fretting about whether guys are going to be in basketball shape when the season resumes, because he's just kind of assuming the Warriors are done. And, you know, I, I, I don't know whether that's a good assumption or not. And I'm, I'm sure most guys are trying to stay in shape no matter where they are in the standings on their teams. But I think there's probably a strong case to be made that the NBA should just pick up with the playoffs and go from there. And, and you know, before that, every team is going to need, you know, maybe an exhibition game or something, or maybe they just play it, you know, maybe just a bunch of scrimmages. Um, and maybe they're all in one place as uh, Brian Winhurst recently alluded to in one of his reports that, that they just get everybody to, to one neutral site where everybody is, is on lockdown and has been tested and, and it's, and you know, it's, it's a controlled environment and maybe you can bring a ton of teams there. I, I, I don't know. Um, there, there's, there's, there's still a lot for them to figure out. I'm glad you brought up your conversation with Steve Kirk. Cause I was going to ask you about that next. And you brought up the element that I wanted to ask you about is, is him saying in his mind, the, the season is over. And honestly, that's understandable, and I can imagine there are a lot of teams that maybe have the same mindset. There are some players that are going to say it's not worth the risk of me going out there and potentially getting sick, getting my family sick. Uh, but that's also from the perspective of the head coach of a team uh, that is well out of the playoff race and wants nothing more than to get to the offseason and get started towards next year versus a team like the Sacramento Kings or uh, the Memphis Grizzlies right now are holding on to that eight seed, but the New Orleans Pelicans have a gripe. The uh, the Portland Trailblazers have a gripe. King, or teams like that that are on the bubble that were looking towards these final 16, 17, 18 games to potentially make it into the postseason. Is it a situation most likely in your mind, Howard, where the league is just going to have to go to these teams and say, you know what, this is unprecedented, this is unsailed territory, we're, we're all trying to figure this out together. Unfortunately, uh, we're just going to have to cut the season short and we're going to have to jump right into the playoffs and so sorry, try again next year, there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, I'm in the camp of this, this is unprecedented and at a time like this, you don't whine about fairness. Yep. If you were in ninth place when the season abruptly ended in an unplanned fashion. It, I, sorry. Like this, like we're dealing with a global pandemic. This is not a time to say, Oh, we, we're, you know, we should have been able to play our last 16, 17 games. Cause we think we would have made it to the eighth. Uh, you know what? 
you're, if you make it to the eighth seed, you're getting swept in the first round anyway. And granted, there's revenue that goes along with that and a couple of home games. And maybe you wanted your guys to get in the play. But these are, this, this, these are extremely unusual times. And it's not the time to fret over, you know, who got the eighth seed. It, it, I, just, I just don't think so. I just don't think that that makes sense to me. I, to me, it's you freeze the standings where they are. And you, you start the playoffs, if you're going to even have normal playoffs. I mean, I, I assume it's still going to be four rounds, one through eight in each conference. Maybe it's not. Um, I think there's something to be said for shortening at least the series in the early rounds, maybe best of five or even best of three, depending on how much time you're trying to save. And, of course, weighing that against the lost revenue and, and also just a deviation from, uh, from you know, historical norms. Um, although, should be should be noted, the NBA hasn't always had – four rounds of best of seven uh, was still best of five in the first round back in the early two thousands. And of course you can find, you know, there was best of three, you know, a few decades back. So, um, but no, I, I, I think, you know, yes, if if it goes that way, some teams will might be a little bit out of shape, but I don't think anyone's really going to have their feelings that hurt under the circumstances. I think everybody understands like there are, there are bigger things for, you know, for us all to be concerned with right now. Yeah, and to build off of that, to give you an opportunity to be almost brutally honest, the mindset and that scenario, that situation that I presented, uh, do you think that's more of a fan mindset than a player mindset? Because I can understand the competitive nature of, a in Sacramento, for example, a De'Aaron Fox who wants to make it into the playoffs and they've been fighting all year for the opportunity to make it into the playoffs. But I'd also understand the, the brain between these players' heads going, look, there's more seasons to be played. We have whole careers ahead of us, lots of money to be made lots of time to actually make the playoffs it's just not worth it yeah I, I don't I don't know how to define that as far as what the you know the you know, fans versus players might think I think you know start with team owners you know there, there's revenue loss mm-hmm. and maybe some momentum for their team and especially if you're a team like the Pelicans and you've got this young star and Zion and you thought you had a real shot and I thought they did I thought the Pelicans were going to make the playoffs I thought they were going to overtake Memphis um, and and it's a shame that we'll we'll never know at least in in terms of of, of a you know a complete 82 game season um, and so if you're the owner of that team you're you're probably a little you know you, you might be been out of shape because of, of of those reasons if you are the GM and coach are probably a little more philosophical about it, and you know you're going to take the long view. Um, although, if you're Alvin Gentry and you thought, "Well, oh, gee, I don't know," if, you know, maybe maybe his job security is, is at stake. I don't I don't know. I can't tell you that for sure. Um, but and and then similarly for teams that are in the playoffs or or in the playoff field right now, as the standings are today, they were still jockeying for playoff position. So you know if you're the Rockets or the Sixers or some of these other teams that have had kind of uneven seasons where you thought, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm getting it together now and I, you know, I'm still going to make a run at a home, at home court. And now you're denied that. So don't they have, you know, a, a, a gripe as well as the team that, that, you know, was still on the bubble and, and couldn't quite crack the top eight. So there's, you know, everybody, if they want to can find a reason to gripe about it. I do think it's probably more, fans that are going to overthink this than the players and coaches. I I think, you know, I think at at this point, especially now that we're removed from the season, a couple of weeks, everybody's just kind of resigned to the idea that, you know what, we're going to take what we can get and this will go down with a, you know, a a very large and strange asterisk next to it um, this season. And we'll, we'll live with the results. Switching gears to a very basketball-specific conversation, you just said uh, about a minute ago that you felt that the 
New Orleans Pelicans were going to take that eighth seed away from the Memphis Grizzlies. Us being here in Sacramento, there was hope that the Kings could have been that team. They seem to be getting hot at the right time, although they've been dealing with injuries and inconsistency for uh, this entire season. Well, actually, let's just be honest. They've been dealing with inconsistencies for well over a decade. You know that, Howard. Um, <laughs> So in your mind, so you felt the Pelicans were had the leg up. It's unfortunate Sacramento was robbed of the national TV game, the Kings and Pelicans inside the Golden 1 Center, that I thought was going to be one of the biggest games Sacramento has had in years. But what is it about the, the Pelicans that you gave the edge versus a team like Sacramento? Well, I mean, start, start here. I thought before the season began that I thought the Kings had a shot. Um, I thought the Pelicans had had a better shot, although, you know, obviously they were much newer, especially to each other. Uh, I really loved what they got in the trade for Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. I thought that Ingram and Ball both still had a lot of upside. Um, as it happens, Ingram busted through and made the all-star team. And Lonzo Ball, after some injuries, was starting to have a really nice season. And I just liked the Pelicans' blend of, of youth and veterans. And they had some really nice depth. Now, they didn't have all the, the, the exact right fitting pieces, but I, I, you know, adding guys like JJ Redick and Derek favors last summer, um, having a guy like drew holiday, who's as, as solid as they come. And, you know, just a, a very underrated player, somebody who, you know, could have made a couple of all-star teams by now. He's one of those, you know, kind of all, always just on the outside, uh, kind of like Mike Conley. And I just, I just liked the blend of talent there. And so then Zion gets hurt and drew holiday was banged up and Lonzo was banged. And they just, they had a really rough start. Mm-hmm. But they were getting their they, – they, they'd found their chemistry and their, their momentum even before Zion came back. That's going to get lost amid all of this. But if, you, if people go back and look, the, the Pelicans were figuring it out. They're, they were getting it together. And then Zion came back, and it was just another shot in the arm. So I just thought they had all the momentum in the world and better talent overall, one through eight, than the Grizzlies, who also were dealing with some injuries when the season stopped – and better than any of those other teams that were kind of circling in, in that area. Yeah, I, I like how the New Orleans Pelicans, one of the biggest pieces that I thought they added that, that really opened the eyes for me, you mentioned the uh, the acquisitions of uh, Ingram and Ball, which I thought were huge. Uh, of course, the drafting of Zion, but the addition of a veteran like a J.J. Redick being brought in. When, when they made a move like that, I'm thinking, okay, the Kings have to look at a team like the Pelicans as some very serious competition. There are also teams that are in the playoff position right now that I did not expect to be there. The Oklahoma City Thunder, I'll put both hands up and say I was dead wrong about that team I thought that team was going to be sellers at the trade deadline and and jockeying for uh, the best draft pick they could possibly get but now I'm looking towards next year and, and I'm sorry to add a doom and gloom perspective here to this locked on Kings podcast with a bunch of Kings fans listening but I'm looking at the the future of the Western Conference the Golden State Warriors are essentially going to get better over the course of a summer with everybody just getting back healthy and then adding a draft pick to the mix. Uh, you look at the the additions of D'Angelo Russell that the Minnesota Timberwolves made. The West, I mean, even the Phoenix Suns, to some extent you could say, are just going to keep getting better and better as they develop. I'm looking at the West, and I'm looking at a lot of teams at the top that aren't really budging or going anywhere, and I'm looking at a lot of teams at the bottom that are in the mix with the Kings that have a decent, if not better, chance of leapfrogging them and getting uh, into the playoff picture. So the West is going to be very difficult, would you agree, for the uh, the Kings to figure out even in years to come? Yeah, you know, I was pretty high on, on the Kings and their overall direction, you know, uh, you know, maybe going back a year ago and last summer. And like like a lot of your listeners probably, I thought they would be better than, than they were this season. And again, injuries are part of that, not all of it. Um, 
but I thought there was a moment or there was, there was an opportunity. There was a path. And it's, it's, it's funny how quickly some of these things change, right? Like, as you mentioned, a lot of people thought the Thunder were just going to fall off the map and that they were going to keep spinning off pieces, too, that they would, you know, trade uh, maybe Stephen Adams or, or, or retrade Gallinari. Um, and so instead, they're, they're solidly in the playoffs where we thought maybe there was a, a, a vacancy. The Dallas Mavericks, uh, I don't think anybody expected. And I was, I was a, a big Porzingis uh, fan and thought that when they acquired him, that was a great move. I thought that he and Luca would be great together. You could have anticipated that they were going to be, or certainly that Luca was going to make the jump that he did, and that Luca and Porzingis were going to click as quickly as they did, and that Dallas would be filling one of those vacancies so soon. So it just it got more complicated, more crowded immediately than you could have possibly expected, yeah. and certainly nobody expected the Grizzlies to be where they are. Um, but to the to to your question, and and you know to next season and the next couple of years, like where is the path? I would just say this. The Lakers and Clippers aren't going anywhere for a while as long as all those guys stay put, and I think they will. And the Nuggets and Jazz, I think, are going to be solidly where they are. The Thunder, they're still at a pivot point. I mean, they, they made those trades with, with the future in mind, with a rebuild in mind, and they've got a bazillion picks to use. Now, will they package some of those picks and just keep building around what they have now? Are they re-signing Gallinari, or is he going somewhere else? Uh, I was going to say this summer. I don't even know when free agency is. <laughs> it might be in December, for all I know. Um, so will the Thunder keep it together? Is there some, you know, is there some, some, um, potential movement there? The Rockets, I mean, look, how many more disappointments can they go through? And uh, now, now they're locked in with Harden and Westbrook. So they're probably not going anywhere. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there in the sense that, that I don't know. I don't know how to project their future. Cause I think that they have pretty much plateaued and, and Westbrook you know, a lot of miles on him, and you don't know when, he, you know, a guy who relies so much on his, his explosiveness is, is going to start to decline. Um, not predicting their imminent demise, just just kind of looking down the standings like, all right, where's the give? You know, did the Grizzlies overachieve a little to get where they were? You know, does, you know, we, youth doesn't always just keep going in a linear progression. Are they definitely a playoff team next season? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what else they do. You know, uh, is Portland ready to try to finally do something bold and blow it up and maybe – flip C.J. McCollum for somebody else to see if they can find a different combination that, that really moves them forward. There's just a lot of variables um, with a bunch of these teams, but I, I, I agree with you in general. The playoff mix or the playoff uh, field is already crowded, and the teams that the Kings are competing with to get in, um, you know, some of them are already ahead of them. The Pelicans, I think, certainly are. And, you know, I'm not sure about the Suns. And the, the Timberwolves, I think, still have a lot of work to do. Howard, I could talk to you all day. You're so generous with your time, so thank you so much. I just want to squeeze a couple more things in if I can. Uh, sure. One of them is uh, one of the major storylines here in Sacramento. Now, there's been a lot of them this year, but one of the big ones that I know the national media and the rest of the NBA world has been paying attention to is the uh, the frustrations of Buddy Heald. And those frustrations are from Buddy himself and also frustrations with the team for how Buddy has voiced uh, his frustrations over the last month or so, he transitioned to a six-man coming off the bench role, and his numbers went up. Kings started winning more games. Now, I'm not going to say that's all on that that move, but it seemed to be working out. However, however, we know, and you know, just from covering and, and understanding who Buddy Heald is, that that doesn't sit too well with him, and he wants to be a starter, and, and he wants to play. So I wanted to get your opinion really quick on that Buddy Heald situation. Are you in the camp of... 
buddy, you you got your paycheck. This team is is winning games with you coming off the bench. You're still an important part of this team. Kind of suck it up and deal with the fact that you're not a starter. Or you are on the other side of Buddy Heald is one of the best shooters in the NBA. The Kings need to be starting him when they're paying him that amount of money. This is one of those things where it's as the as the distance observer, this is easy for me to say, but I kind of generally believe that uh, much as Manu Ginobili turned himself into one of the greatest six men of all time, even though he was good enough to be, you know, he was a, a, a you know top ten at his position, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm that's depending on which stage of his career we're talking about. Manu Ginobili was a phenomenal shooting guard and spent a lot of his career obviously coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't let ego get in the way, if you've got your if you've already made your money, you've got your paycheck, and Buddy Hield's certainly getting paid. Um, if, if you can if you can Reconcile that in your own head. That's a that is a, a potentially a, a great way to make your career in that you can contribute to winning without it necessarily having to be tied to starting. You, you're probably still finishing games most of the time. I know that wasn't always the case either this season, and that's been part of the tension. But um, it, it doesn't have to be about that. But that's me as a, as a reporter and a writer saying that I'm not the athlete who has to deal with all the things that go with that, because it, it, you know, it does matter to these guys. It's easy for people like us to, to say, well, it shouldn't just put the, the focus on winning. We'd like to believe that's the case, but listen, you know, these guys are, are human beings and, they, and they've got pride and egos and, and, and family members and advisors who might be telling them, no, 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 you, you know, you shouldn't let that happen. You shouldn't let it go that way. So, you know, how I view it philosophically versus how I view it pragmatically are, are, are different things. I think that all the tension that has flared, you know, over the course of the last seven, eight months between the team and, and Buddy Heald, I think is concerning. Um, I couldn't possibly tell you how that's going to resolve, especially now with all the, you know, the rest of this uncertainty that we're dealing with. But uh, I, I do think it is, it is, um, it's, it's a red flag. It's something that bears watching. And whether that means they, they ultimately end up trading him or Bogdanovich to, to try to, to uh, you know, untangle this and, and ease everybody's concerns, we'll see. Howard, I wasn't planning on ending with this, but I'm looking at your your uh, Twitter profile right here in front of me, and your profile picture is a picture of you uh, talking with the, uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant. Uh, and it, it's hard to believe with all this coronavirus excuse me, COVID-19 situation going on. It feels like it was a year ago uh, that that Kobe passed, and yet it's still so fresh uh, in the hearts and in the minds of all of us. So I I wanted to end with an opportunity, if you're willing to share maybe an interaction or two uh, that you had with Kobe and just anything that you would want to say, your your thoughts on Kobe Bryant. We know how big he was here. Uh, He was my villain growing up here in Sacramento, but of course there was always respect there. Uh, So maybe it's the story of this picture and interaction that you had, but something that just to remember Kobe Bryant by uh, while we're in the middle of this COVID-19 situation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually amazing to think that it's only been a little over two months since uh, since we lost Kobe and so much has happened since. And my God, what a terrible year this has been. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the photo in my Twitter bio, uh, which we're, we're walking down the Barclays Center hallway. And it was his uh, final season in you know 2015-16. And I was doing a story, I think it's from then, um, but there was, there, he, he had had this amazing game at Madison Square Garden. Uh, this was back when I was on the Laker beat for the LA Daily News. And he'd, uh, you know, I, I always remember this moment. And I think that that picture is, is actually from that. So there's, you know, the, the bunch of stories I could tell you, but I'll just go with that one. Um, Kobe 
in you know whatever whatever year it was 2002 maybe uh maybe earlier than that but the, the lakers are playing at the garden media is still seating sitting baseline back then mm-hmm. and so right on the court and kobe is to my left um on the other side of the basket he's got the ball in his hands he crosses up the trail spreewell drives baseline and goes up for what looks like it's going to be a reverse layup and any other human being, it probably would have just been an, an easy reverse layup. And somehow in midair, it, it looked like he somehow got an extra burst, like there was some invisible step that Kobe Bryant alone could step on and launched himself another like half a foot and threw down this nasty reverse dunk. And the garden went nuts. And um, the the photo in my Twitter profile, um, I believe, is is the conversation I'm having with him to do a, a story about Kobe's kind of love affair with, with New York um, and the popularity that he enjoyed here, despite being a foe. And, you know, it, it was, it was interesting over the years of covering him. And I, I covered him for seven years that, that, you know, depending on the arena, you know, like with Kings fans, were never going to cheer Kobe. You know, there's always going to be some Laker fans living in Sacramento who are going to come out and cheer for him, but he was such a villain for all the obvious reasons. Um, And with, with Knicks fans, it was different just because, you know, the Knicks, you know, weren't great then. Um, But also the garden has always just had this, this respect for the greats of the game where New York fans, if you come in and you, you stick it to the Knicks good, they're, they're going to show their appreciation even as they're rooting against you. And the garden went nuts when Kobe threw down that reverse dunk. And then they, then they replayed it on the scoreboard and they went nuts all over again. And it didn't matter that he was the opponent and doing this to them. They just appreciated the greatness. And he had that kind of, of, of magnetism to him. And so that was, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun one to kind of relive and, and, and uh, take that stroll down memory lane with him uh, almost literally <laughs> in that photo. It's times like this, this, COVID-19 situation, the NBA hiatus and suspension where I miss Kobe's leadership. And and I I can only imagine, actually, that's a good question to kind of end on with you. How do you think Kobe Bryant would have handled uh, this, this COVID-19 situation? That's a great question. I mean, he, he really, you know, obviously loved to exercise his, his voice as a, as an older, or as as a, as a mentor figure among the younger generation of NBA players, but I think also to, to all of us. Um, and you saw a lot of these stories after, after he, he passed away that um, a lot of people in my business, you know, talk, relaying stories of, of talking to him and him, he wanted to te- like, he always wanted to teach the game. He always, even with idiots like us in the media who, you know, maybe didn't quite get it the way he did. Yeah. So he loved explaining the game. And we saw that with some of the stuff that he did for ESPN and everything else. We saw it with him opening the Mamba Academy. But I, I, I do think that Kobe found his voice late in his career for things uh, beyond basketball too. And so at a moment like this, I have no doubt in my mind that whether it would be through the NBA to do PSAs or whether it would be through, you know, the Mamba Academy uh, social media outlets or his own, I'm sure Kobe would have been at a minimum out there, you know, urging people to, you know, practice social distancing and all the things that we we are now internalizing to get through this. I'm sure he would have been a, a strong voice. I'm sure he would have been, a, a, a voice of leadership. I'm sure he would have, you know, made whether it's his academy available for whatever, or whether it would have been just donating, uh, uh, donating to um, local hospitals, or you know, I know he was someone who he spent. Um, 
uh, made quite a bit of investment, I think, in, in the homelessness issue in L.A. So I'm sure he would have been engaged in, in, a, in a really meaningful and powerful way. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I would I, I wish we could hear from him right now. Yeah, you and me both. Well, Howard, your, your work is second to none. And it's truly uh, being able to speak with you and get some of your time here uh, is an, an absolute privilege for me. So thank you so much for joining me here on the Lockdown Kings podcast again. Uh, and thank you for all the great work that you do. And hopefully we can get back to, quote unquote, normal uh, and just being able to talk about basketball and cover hoops again, because I, I know you miss it as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, Amen to all that. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It truly is a pleasure and a privilege having Howard Beck on. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I tweeted out the full 48 podcast episode uh, that he talked about earlier on uh, in this interview that you can go and find right now. It's on my Twitter page, at MattGeorgeKHDK. But if you just look look up the full 48 podcast, it's the episode from this week where he goes into more detail about some of the things that we talked about, options uh, that the NBA has. So I encourage you to give that a listen. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm actually going to listen to it as soon as I'm done recording. Uh, this podcast here today and I can't wait to have another conversation with Howard in the future he is such a great guy to talk to so generous with his time uh, and it really is cool for me uh, to be able to have him here on this podcast and be able to talk to him he's a great basketball mind provided some uh, great insight and some great opinion on stuff with the Sacramento Kings stuff with the NBA as a whole and if you want to respond to any of it please do uh, you can find me on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHDK or email me mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com any questions comments, anything like that that you have, uh, let me know and I'll be sure to get back to you and respond to you and we can engage uh, in some off-air conversation there. If you didn't know, NBA 2K20, if you're into sports video games, uh, they are doing a players-only tournament where NBA players here are uh, going head-to-head in NBA 2K. I don't know what the prize is. I don't know if it's just bragging rights or what have you, but Sacramento Kings forward Harrison Barnes is participating, and in the opening round, he's taking on Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. So I'll provide little mini updates on that as the tournament goes on. You can look it up for more information. Maybe you're looking for a source of basketball entertainment. Well, there you go. NBA players playing NBA 2K is there for you. That'll do it for today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. I look forward to having you back with me for the next one. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.